Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I love hearing from listeners about how the show is inspiring them to pursue their goals or examine their current motivations. So whether we know each other personally or not, I want you to know how much I value you and how much I appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you haven't done that already. We release new episodes each Thursday along with one or two bonus episodes each month. If you subscribe, you'll always get new episodes delivered directly to your feed whenever they come out. I'd also love if you would give us a rating and a review, especially if you find the content helpful. This week we have Brian Gillette on the show. Brian is an ultra marathon runner. He once ran 205 miles in 76 and a half hours on only 90 minutes of sleep. I get tired just thinking about doing something like that, but Brian's actually done it. He also finished a 4,000 mile bike ride across the United States in addition to several other 50 and 100 mile runs. These experiences inspired him to write his book, Epic Performance. Today, Brian works with leaders and executives through his company, Summiting Group. He advises them on how they can perform at higher levels for themselves and for their team. I was so excited to talk with Brian and this conversation delivered on all of my expectations. I know you're going to love hearing what he has to say. So let's get started. Here's Brian Gillette. Brian, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm just, I'm intrigued by your story. I said it in the introduction, but you ran 205 miles in 76 hours in addition to lots of other ultra distance competitions. And what I want to know about that specific run is how many times did you almost give up over the course of those 76 hours? Brady, it's, it's good to be on your show. And, and the answer is zero. <laughs> you know, not, not, I, I, I knew it was, I, I was going to go through it, but there was never a time where it's like, Oh, I'm not going to make this. And, and, you know, th- there is the, when you do it, this 200 mile run, the specific one around Lake Tahoe, you have a hundred hours to do it. 
And, and, and I completed in 76 and a half hours, which was on the faster side. So in a sense, I had a full day where I could, if I wanted, I could sleep, I could do whatever I wanted if things just really got bad. But the hardest part in doing something like this isn't from when you leave the start line to, to the get to the finish line. The hardest part is actually getting to the start line healthy. Because you, you think about it is on a run like this, you know, it's going to be over in 100 hours. It's a long 100 hours. There's no doubt about it. But when you're training for it, you know, for me, I was uh, I was training for it kind of for eight months pretty ser seriously. And, and even at the beginning of that training, I had just completed a hundred miler. So I was in pretty good shape. So, but to answer your question, no time did I ever want to um, quit or, or give it up. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So take us back to even the decision to participate in that particular race, or maybe even going a couple steps back. What, what led you to pursue ultra distance competitions? Yeah. So you know, I, I can go way back. I, I've always, you know, I, I'm a cyclist at my core, um, even though this was a running event. And so I've always enjoyed long distance bicycles, bicycle rides. I've done some down from Canada down into, into San Francisco. I live in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, I did one across the United States, 4,000 miles. And I just, I just love that high of, of completing something big completing something that it's like, you know, that, 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 that was, that was pretty hard, but you, you really feel good. And then I was, I was finished. I was doing a 300 mile one day bike ride. I had done a 200 mile many times. And I thought I'm going to push myself a little further to do 300 miles, which I knew would be t about 24 hours. It'd be the first time I go around kind of full, you know, without any sleep for a full 24 hours. And, and I also thought it would be the point that my body and mind would say, you're done. You just got to stop, you know, and it would push me to a limit that I, I hadn't reached before. And about 275 miles in, you know, I, I only have 25 miles left. It's just, I can see the finish line virtually. It's like two or three in the morning. And I thought I've got this, you know, I didn't reach that limit, even though it was a hard day. Um, and I thought, you know, I need a new challenge because I always like to have some challenge every year that kind of pushes me. Um, and I thought I'm going to start running and I want to do a marathon because marathon's kind of the ultimate. And, you know, I wasn't, I didn't consider myself a runner. And I signed up for, uh, my wife and I were actually going to do New York together. Unfortunately, she got injured. And so I ended up doing San Francisco marathon I enjoyed it. I then, as most big crazy ideas, there were a couple guys sitting around, um, you know, at, in the backyard, and one of them threw out the idea of doing a fifty miler, a trail run. And I thought, well, that sounds good. And then that fifty miler turned into a few more fifty milers, and then that those fifty milers turned into a hundred miler. And then I was, you know, I only live about three and a half hours drive from Lake Tahoe, which is just one of the one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I thought. And I found out about this run around Lake Tahoe and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to kind of circumnavigate, run all the way around the lake in the Sierra Nevadas and just this pristine location? Wouldn't that be cool? And I signed up. Wow. That's incredible. I didn't ask you this off air, but I'm curious, have you read any of David Goggins stuff? I'm sure you're familiar with David Goggins. I 
I am familiar. I haven't read his book and, and it's one of these, it's like, I just got to read it. Cause I know everybody quotes it and, um, and, but I have not read it yet. I can't hurt me. I think is, is the title. So yeah. So can't I'm, hurt I'm me was familiar with the story. I've seen a lot of things about him and I've read a number of things, but not, I haven't read the book. Definitely. I think you'd find it very relatable just based on what you've done. So you yeah. said a couple of things as you were explaining how you got into ultras that stood out to me, things like, I'm going to push myself further than I have before. I need a new challenge. And I'm curious, has that always been a part of your mentality or can you trace that like development or that shift back to a certain point in time? You know, I, I can't trace to back when I started it. It has, but so for all my life, I've, it's always been kind of who I am. It's like, oh, you know, you can do a little bit better. Um, and I can push myself a little bit further and, and kind of push it. And it's like, okay, if I, if I can do, you know, my first long distance bike ride was 200 miles from the San Francisco Bay area up to Yosemite. And, and I did that with my parents when I was a teenager and I thought, that's cool. It's like, okay, now what's next? And then let's ride down from Oregon and then, okay, let's ride down from Washington state. And then let's ride down from Canada and then let's go across the U S. So it's just, I, I don't know where it comes from, Brady. Um, it, it wasn't something my parents kind of pushed into me. It was just, it, it's just part of kind of how I've always been. And I'm sure I could go see a psychiatrist and she <laughs> or he would have something to say about it, but I don't know that I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you seem, seem very happy with it and content yeah. to just keep doing more and more. And that's one of the things that amazes me. You know, I think some people, like I've run a couple half marathons before, and I think maybe you and I are just built differently, but there's there's a degree of contentment that for me comes after finishing that race where I think maybe it would be fun to do a full marathon, but I also can't imagine doing what I just did, which is running a half marathon again and then doing it a second time right afterwards. Um, and yeah, we were well, talking, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, you know, and, and kind of let me, let me comment about that. And, you know, I, I understand that. And I think part of it is, you know, there's some people that say, you know, I, I love running half marathons. I have no desire to run a marathon, a uh, full marathon. It's like, I get that. Um, it's, I, I, I don't know you can look at, cause when I finished my first marathon, um, and did San Francisco, uh, and, and you told, if you would have told me, it's like, okay, yeah, go run another 26.2. I would have said, you know, I was done. You mentally prepare for that distance. So for you, you're mentally preparing for a half marathon and that's what's in your head. So when you get to the finish line, it's okay. I'm done. Um, I have no question in my mind, you could run a marathon. Um, but when you train for 13 miles, 13.1 miles, you know, your longest training runs probably 10 miles or 11 miles. You're not at that point prepared to run a marathon. But you could ease, you've got the capabilities, you've got the mindset to do it. I mean, you do, you you know, do or want to do, I know, triathlons. It's that mindset. It's just, okay. But if you don't want to do it, yeah, hey, I, it's like, you, that. that's kind of goes to that motivation part. And I, I've mm -hmm. talked to a lot of people and they say, oh, you know, I could never run a marathon. And I, and, and my response is, you probably could. But if you don't want to, that's a different story. Yeah. And that connects back to something that you said earlier, which is a lot of people look at the ultras that you do and they just see the 205 miles in 76 hours. But as you alluded to, it's not just those three or four days. It is the eight months of training that you have to go through ahead of time. So take us inside, not just the physical preparation that's required, but also the mental preparation in order to be able to do something like that. 
Yeah. So when I when I put together the training plan um, to to prepare for Tahoe, and I and I've done this with other events. Now I had finished a 100 miler in November um, of the previous year that I did the uh, 200 miler. So I, I I finished the 100 miler. I took a little time off from running or doing anything kind of bigger, um, and started up training in January of the year I did the 200. That the race was in September, so I really had January to September. That was kind of January to August. It was my heavy training, and then you start to taper as the race get gets closer. I uh, I broke kind of that training down into three different areas of my body. It's like one is you got to get the legs in shape. So you got to do a lot of running. You got to do a lot of bicycle bicycling. You know, you just got to get in shape. You know, physically. Um, the other one was you got to be able to re you have the right food. So first you get the legs in shape. Then you got to get this. Make sure the stomach's working. Um, are you eating enough food? Are you eating the right food? Um, my wife is a phenomenal cook, and she likes to understand nutrition. So she did an amazing job making sure I was getting enough calories, but the right calories. And I was eating the equivalent of like five full meals a day. You know, there were some, some weeks where I was exercising 30 hours a week. And so you consume a lot of calories. So you got to get your legs, you got to get your stomach. And then the last one, which is kind of the point of your question is you got to get your head in the game. Um, and, and you got to be able to mentally do it. Yes, this is a physically demanding event. There's no doubt. A marathon, a half marathon is a physically demanding event. And so I, I never look at somebody and say, oh, you, you only did, you can only do a half. I said, that, that is an impressive thing to look at or to have accomplished. And anybody that's done it should feel really good because there's a lot more people that haven't done it than have done it. So it is, it's getting the, your head in the game. Um, and part of that is, you know, you can't expect perfection in something when, you know, when you're training. So I gave myself opportunities where you know, I, I was training six days a week on average, but I gave myself kind of a, a get out of training free card where between January and August of the the training year, I said if there were three times that I would, you know, just did not want to train, I gave myself three options. I just didn't want to train at all. I could I could just play that card and it was it's no questions asked. No questions asked by me. And it's like and I'll, I give myself three times, three times in a sense to kind of opt out. So that is a little bit freeing. Um, as well, because you can't expect perfection. Uh, you know, I was I was speaking to a group um, about 150 people a, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the guys at the end in the Q and A section, he goes, "You know, one of the things I want to do is I want to be able to go to the gym seven days a week." My response to him is, "Why don't you try three? Let's get three right, and because if you focus on seven and you miss a day, then you failed." And then with that doesn't feel good. So how do you give yourself that that opt out is is one of the things that I often look at. The other one is there are days that you're going to wake up at three or four in the morning and know you're going to have to go out and train and it sucks. <laughs> you you probably experience that because you've trained for some some events and and when you wake up and it's raining, it sucks even more. 
And those are the days where you you probably want to say, all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run today or I'm not gonna do exercise. I'm just gonna stay in bed where it's warm and dry. Those are the days that I say, go out and do it. Because if you run in miserable conditions or if you train in miserable conditions, you know, then when those miserable conditions occur on the race day, you're more fully prepared than the other people. And so, you know, that helps you get into this mental thing, um, you know, with all these types of things. And, and you probably saw it when you trained for your, your half, you don't start off running 13.1 miles. You know, I, I remember, you know, after I did that 300 mile run and I thought I'm going to go train, I'm going to, I'm going to run a marathon. Cause that's kind of the ultimate kind of running event. And, and I remember I was working from home that day or working from home one day. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start training today. I, I went down to at lunchtime, went down to the, the, uh, uh, running store and bought a pair of shoes and then went for a four mile run. And I came back. And granted, I had just completed a hundred mile, uh, uh, a three hundred mile uh, bike ride, so I was in good shape. But I came back from the run, and my legs—you know—later on in the afternoon, I had to walk upstairs to go to the bathroom, and it's like my legs were killing me. Mm -hmm. So you start off slow, and you start off short distances with anything, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. a, a a sport event or it's it's work. Start off smaller. Build that confidence because the confidence is what gets you to do five miles or six miles and eventually 13.1 or 26.2 or 50 or whatever it is. So get some early wins and that confidence really helps you, um, helps your mind. Uh, so it's, you know, I, I, I break the, I break the anything, any physical event like this down into kind of what do I need to do for the head? What do I need to do for my stomach? And what do I need to do for my legs? I love that. And as you talk about starting small and then adding difficulty as you go, I think about when I first got into multi-sport races, I wanted to do a duathlon and I had a road bike at the time that I'd had since college. And so I went outside and I rode, I think three miles on my bike and then I ran a mile and I felt exhausted. And I thought that doing anything more than that was going to be completely unattainable, but I just continued to do that. And then a couple of weeks later, I was able to ride five miles and run one. And that yeah. felt like a huge win. And then before long, I was, you know, running one and a half, riding 10, running one and a half. And so I think what you're saying is exactly right. It doesn't matter how small you start. If you attack it consistently, you're going to build up more endurance, build up more stamina over time. I do want to probe a little deeper into something that you said. So you talked about how if you're training for something, you're going to have to wake up at three or four in the morning and it's going to be raining and you're not going to want to get up and train. So one of my core beliefs regarding motivation is that oftentimes when we feel unmotivated to do something, it's because they're actually competing motivations in play. So with that particular example, you feel motivated to train because you know it's good for you physically. Maybe you've got that race that you're trying to get ready for, but you also feel motivated to skip your training or stay in bed because training is hard or it's raining or it's going to be uncomfortable. And I'm sure you face a lot of moments like that, whether in the training or actually in the race itself. So I'm curious, how do you push yourself and how do you keep going even when it gets hard like that? Yeah. You know, the question I will ask in that situation, and then I can expand on a few other things is what's going to hurt more is, will it hurt more 
if I don't train or, or what's going to hurt less either way, but will it hurt more or less if I don't train today and I stay in bed? Um, or will it hurt, you know, how, how will I feel if I don't train and I'm not prepared when I go in and do the race? So I often think about, okay, I could stay in bed and it's going to feel good. But if I do that, I'm going to feel the pain on race day because I'm not prepared. So I would much rather feel the pain today and get up at three in the morning or four in the morning and go out and, and exercise than feel the pain on race day. So that's, you, you got to kind of ask that question, but it's really looking at, you know, when, when things get hard, there's a number of things that I look at. And one is go back and look at why are you doing this? You know, what is it that, that is driving you and exciting you? Cause they're, exciting for you. Cause there are people that, you know, they have no desire to do some of the stuff you and I are talking about Brady. And it's like, Oh, find something else. Um, but so find that why I, uh, I had for, for the book. And I know we can talk about this later for the, the book that I wrote, I interviewed a hundred executives and endurance athletes. And I wanted to understand how do they kind of reach their peak? How do they push it to new limits? And, and I was talking to one one executive, he he runs his own engineering business, pretty good size engineering business. He's also a triathlete. And I said, what, what gets you up at three in the morning to go train, go for a bike ride or a run or a swim when you just don't want to? And he goes, he goes, I'm very clear on my why. He goes, I did not want to die on the couch like my uncle did. And I said, tell me more. He goes, I saw my uncle, he hurt his back. And when he hurt his back, he kind of spent more time on the couch. And when he spent more time on the couch, he gained weight. And when he gained more weight, he spent a lot more time on the couch. And it was just this terrible circle that, you know, get more weight, can't get up and exercise, can't get up and exercise, gain more weight. And it was just went around and around. And he goes, eventually, I just saw him die on the couch and I didn't want that to happen to me. And, and so... You know, he was very clear. And so at three in the morning, you know, when he's trying to figure out, oh, do I stay in bed or do I get up? He thinks about his uncle. And that gets him out of bed pretty quickly. So understand that. Um, the other thing is that I often do, and there's there's like a, you know, a bunch of things that I can go through, and I'll just talk about one more, is... I put things in perspective and and just to give you a, a short story. So part of the training for the Tahoe 200 is I had to do four 30 mile runs in a row. So Sunday do a th run 30 miles, Monday run 30 miles, Tuesday run 30 miles and Wednesday run 30 miles. And the purpose for doing that is you start to, you start, you have to learn how to recover quickly and be able to run you know, that second, third, and fourth day on tired legs, because that's what you're going to experience in an ultra event. And on the third day, you know, it's it's early in August. It's hot here in, uh, in California. It's probably in the 90s. And I, I was tired and my legs hurt. And I was just whining to myself and complaining. And then I thought to myself, it's like, you know, you're out here voluntarily doing this. I had a friend that was diagnosed with breast cancer um, just before then. She's not, she has no choice to the pain she's going through. I can go be home in a half hour and my pain will be done. And so it just helped me put things in perspective. It's like, yeah, my situation's kind of, it's, it's rough, but I'm voluntarily putting myself in the situation. 
but I'd much rather be in where I'm in than what she was dealing with. So it's how do you kind of put things in perspective and understand that, you know, yeah, it's hard. Somebody survived what you're going through probably in most cases, and you probably will as well. And there are people that are going through a lot worse. Mm-hmm. And I love how this may not be the perfect word to use to describe what you're expressing, but to an extent, I interpret it this way. It's amazing how a small measure of gratitude, even in circumstances that are not ideal, totally shifts your focus on the situation. Well said, Brady. Yeah, well said. I want to ask you, hey, I appreciate it. I want to ask you one more question and I'll give you a chance to talk about your book, your website, where people can find you. And you've spoken to this a little bit already, but I want to give you one more chance to highlight or expand on it. So there's people who listen to this show who are running half marathons or they're weight training. And then there's people who are listening to the show who are moms who stay at home with their kids or who are busy with work and they don't have time to you know, go run a mile, let alone train for an ultra. So what is it from your story or from what you've learned that you would share with those people that could have an impact on their day-to-day life? Yeah. So, I mean, I like how you talk about the time, Uh, you know, we all have the same amount of time in the week. We all have 168 hours. Um, My wife was training for an Ironman and completed the Ironman, um, a full Ironman while we had two young kids. So it, it required that I was around a lot more. It requires that I was, you know, kind of picking up uh, in things where, because she was out training 20 hours a week at some weeks. So I, I think the important thing is to recognize we all have the same amount of time. It's how we prioritize what's important. Um, and, and so you have to look at where am I spending the time and is, is this exercise or whatever it is more important than something else that's on my list. I know people that have taken their kids out, you know, really small kids and they'll put them in a stroller and go out and run. Um, so I, I always, I always, you know, when people come up with, I don't have enough time, you know, to me, what I hear is it's not a big enough priority from you for you. Um, because I know, I know people that have, have got small kids and gone out and trained. So it's, it's really, you know, when we look at the time factor, we all have 168 hours in the week. It's how we use that 168 hours, um, is, is the key thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that some people will hear that and they'll feel like, oh, well, if I'm not going and taking my kids on a run or doing X, Y, Z, like I should feel guilty. And I don't think that's what you're trying to say. I don't think that that would be something that I would say. I think hopefully someone hears that and it's more liberating. I think back to what we talked about earlier, which is like, if you don't want to run a full marathon, if you're content with just running a half, or if you don't want to do X, Y, Z, that's fine. At the same time, you don't have to look at certain things like the amount of time that you have or the amount of capability that you have as an excuse, because that may just be a limiting belief. And if you probe a little deeper, if you consider some of these things that we're talking about here, like the fact that we all have the same amount of time, then you may be able to uncover something from within that limiting belief that actually validates whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, because we we throw a lot of excuses in, in front of us. And, you know, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. And and maybe you don't have enough time today, but eventually maybe in that situation, the kids will be a little bit older. I'm now, you know, my son and I, um, both my sons and I, you know, one's 14, one's 16. The three of us are training to run a marathon at the end of the year. And so it's, okay, now we can run together. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
it, it, it's like, I don't have the time now because I've, I place something else, a uh, higher priority on something else, but I do want to do it in two years or three mm -hmm. years or whatever it is. And I love the way you framed it there. Cause again, I think it comes back to priorities. It comes back to it values. Does. It's less yeah. about, you know, what am I capable of? And it's more about what's most important to me. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I mean, family is, is like kind of the most important thing to me, my two kids and my wife. Um, I will tell you, I am a better father and a husband when I get out and exercise. And it's <laughs> my, my wife will often say, if I get to be a little bit annoying or irritable, she'll say, Hey honey, why don't you go for a bike ride? Which is a euphemism for you're annoying the heck out of me. Can you go out and do something? <laughs> Cause you'll be a much nicer person when you come back. I think our wives would get along well because my wife would probably say the same thing to me. <laughs> You're grumpy. Why don't you go for a ride? They're, they're much smarter than we are, aren't they, oh, Brady? Oh, that's so true. 100%. Well, Brian, this has been a great conversation. I've enjoyed this so much, and I know the listeners will too. Before we wrap up, tell us about the book, about what you're doing, and where anyone who's interested can find you and connect with you. Yeah, no, thank you for the opportunity, Brady. So the book is Epic Performance Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. And and, and fundamentally, what EPIC stands for is the E is how do you envision the big things in life. The P is how do you put a plan in place to accomplish those. The I is how do you iterate, work your way up and um, kind of small to big. The C is how do you collaborate with others. Somebody's done this before or something similar. And then lastly, how do you go out and perform it? And so the book walks you through how do you kind of think through the big things so you, uh, you can look at, all right, what is it I want to accomplish in life, whether it's for work or for home? Um, you know, the best way to get in touch with me is my website is epicperformances.com. So that's E-P-I-C performances with an S.com. And you can connect up there or, you know, I'm on LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, I always love to hear, you know, what somebody's working on or if they've got a, they're working on something and they're kind of stuck, you know, send me a note. I'd love to, love to help out. That's fantastic. Brian, thank you so much again for your time today and for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Brady. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle and it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at bradyross.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. 
Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it. Thank you.